Welcome to another episode of The Shift with Elena Agar. In this episode, I chat with Rick and Mark, two of my fellow colleagues in the space of leadership development, except they have way, way more years of experience than I do in, the, in this space, and each kind of um, offer very interesting insights from their experience and exposure in the world of talent and just in the world of work in general. Uh, we talked about a lot of different topics. Um, these two people are definitely somebody I can spend hours talking to, so we couldn't cover everything, but we did talk about the challenge of young talent pipelines and Gen Zs and the challenges that organizations have. We talked about the shortage of young talent in the workforce and kind of just this epidemic that is happening with young men in particular, uh, with less people uh, joining the workforce, less people attending colleges. We also talked about um, kind of leadership development and what does that look like? Um, as well as just general, what does the future of work look like? What, how is AI going to come in and maybe change some of the work that we do for us? And um, and maybe not. So check it out. It was a great discussion. Two of my favorite people so far in the world of talent development. And I hope you enjoy this just as much as I did. Mark, Rick, welcome to the Shift Podcast. I'm very excited to chat with both of you. This is my second um, conversation that I have with two people. So I, I, I had a first one. I loved it. And I said, I got to do it again. And I can't think of better two people to, to discuss all the awesome topics we're going to be discussing today. So welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. I, I, can I just comment? I love the triad concept, right? It's sort of like a stool needs three. So there's when there's the <laughs> third party, it actually creates more learning. So yay to you for kind of bumping into that it sounds like yeah no i think i think everybody has value to add and some people even ask better questions than i do so why not you know right, so it's, right. it's, a, it's a good place to be um so before we dive into today's topic we're going to cover everything from kind of the young generations coming up and what you both think about that we're going to talk about this whole work-life balance and is it a myth or does it really exist we're going to talk about bringing your health self to work and just all the different challenges that we have today in organizations as individuals and as leaders of those organizations but for our audience give us a little bit of context i know you have both rich rich histories of uh your experience but give me like a snapshot rick we'll start with you what is it that you do sure i i broad stroke i'm in the leadership development space that has a lot of components inside of it but i've been hanging out in the corporate and leadership development world for almost 35 years now I'm about 65 years old um gay man just to kind of give it context so i have this sort of slant on the world because the world, half the world thinks I shouldn't be okay. I mean, it's an interesting thing to go through that. We can maybe mm. get into that later. Um, so leadership development space, honored to be brought into probably a hundred companies in my lifetime as a keynoter and a workshop delivery guy and a life coach and all that inside out personal growthy space. Love that space. Transformation is my name and my game. Um, and I wrote a book about it. So um, I feel very blessed to have been in that career and have been in many, many, many rooms in the corporate space officially where the topics you're going to talk about are like in the air. So thanks for having me. Amazing. What about you, Mark? So I'm a um, certified life coach as well um, in the wellness space. I would say mental fitness. I also am a creative problem solver, creative brainstormer. Uh, I love ideation. It's my thing. It's my jam. Uh, and the way to more success is uh, through ideation. And I also um, am a trainer. So I've done, I did all workshops, uh, curriculum and so forth. So that's also something I love merging those two disciplines to, uh, to bring my work into the world. Amazing. So and, and can yeah. I just comment on Mark? Can I, I just can't help please. myself. I, I mean, I'm always interrupting Elena, by the way, please. please. <laughs> believe, no, there's no such thing. Come on. Well, um, I just want to underline Mark's brilliance. Um, Mark is a deep thinker and he has um, the, you know, the, a person who has the ability to sort of grab ideas out of thin air, you know, like, where does that come from? That's like your superpower, Mark. So just wanted to underline that. You know, versus that. you have the data to figure it out. It's more like an intuitive, like, oh, let's try this. So, thank you. Absolutely. Um, so, Rick, starting with you, I'm curious. So you've worked with, you know, you interacted with over 100 um, different companies. You've spoken yeah. to probably thousands of people at this point in your career. You know, yeah. you're 65. So 
you know, you know, you've lived, you're, you're lived and will continue to live this very full life in, in this, this, this uh, corporate world. But from this last, you know, like last 30 years, for example, if you look at the different changes that occurred, has there always been a talent problem or is it a new thing that's coming up in the world? Because I feel like that's what everybody talks about in a corporate, like we have a talent shortage, we have a talent problem. Is it really now or has there always been a challenge with talent, particular good talent? Yeah, such a big question. How much time do we have? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, uh, you know, I'm not a talent development expert, but I do believe in the power of helping people and talking to organizations about how do you get the best out of people, right? I mean, that's talent. When our talent is received, we feel great. You know, and uh, I mean, I think when you use the word talent, you're kind of speaking to the, how do we get the most out of people? I want to make sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How... Say, yeah. Hmm. Go for it. Give me a yeah, little, yeah. give me I... another, give me another angle on the talent word from your perspective. Yeah. So, Very so one, thing. you know, how do we, how do we, one is yes, get the most out of people, but how do we, how do we also um, make sure we have the right talent in our pipelines, right? Like the right skill set. How do we make sure the talent maintains growth and relevance so that we as a company can maintain that growth and relevance as well? So just the, the upskill and reskill, unlearning, relearning of things, whatever it might be. Yeah. 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 Well, I think every generation goes through its own mishigash of like upheaval. I mean, the depression, war, you know, on a, on a global context, I always, I've been around long enough to sort of see things come in and blow things up. I I hate, sorry, that's a, not a good expression to use right now. So let me take that back, but just sort of like create chaos. Mm -hmm. I mean, COVID and, you know, this in our lifetime COVID. And so we can kind of all name these things that I could go through you know, 9-11 happened and, and I can mm. go back to the Vietnam War and like it took people out and people, my brother had to go to like, anyway, you get the, you get the sort of the chaos of it, right? And uh, this is sort of chaos theory and I'm not answering your question directly, but I think things come along that ask us to go to the next level of our abilities. It, 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 I'm going to go philosophical for a second. I believe the human spirit always wants to go to its next level of consciousness and how to do things, right? Like we make up stuff because humans are like, and now how can we do it? And now how can we do it? And how that mostly happens is out of a reaction to something that comes along and sort of busts business as usual. So COVID is our most recent example of that. Mm -hmm. And oh my God, and how do we do this? And we can't go to work and we're going to die and all that fear. And, you know, and Zoom came along. And, um, but but, the, but the, the, I think you're asking hiring the right people, you know, getting the right people. I think one of the things that we're not very good at is actually sitting down and asking people and interviewing them better and being in conversation with them better about what they are good at. And then the second question is, what do you want to be better at because you want to like learn? Because I think the ultimate thing that keeps people inside an organization is learning, not just success. Mm-hmm. Like we want to keep learning new stuff. Like, are you going to keep, I mean, that's the personal development path inside a company. Like what's your development path? Right. You know, not what's your strategic plan to make more money. <laughs> right. That's a very different angle. And so I think as, as coaches and trainers and Mark and I are in that development space, like the leaders need to sit down with people and go and have, here's the, here's the bottom line, longer conversations about what is your next level that you want to step into? What's the expansion of you? What's the dream you have for yourself? And the organization sort of needs to be in that conversation better rather than it just sits down and gathers information. So it's really, it kind of comes down to a coaching conversation, you know, asking people, what is it you want? What's the difference you want to make with your life? And these are the bigger questions, the existential questions that then feed into the, and I love coffee and I want to make better coffee. Hmm. Okay, great. Now we've, now we've got a person who's passionate about this particular topic. So I actually think it's not a talent issue. It's a passion problem. Hmm. That's an interesting way to look at it. And you, you know, what's, um, 
you said it's like having longer conversations. And yeah. I, as you're saying that, I was like, I, I just remember like certain, you know, conversations that I've heard and conversations I've been in with, with different people from different companies. And it's almost like there are two concerns from the corporate side. One is, yeah. well, one, I don't know how to have that conversation. Like a manager won't, ha- won't know how to yes. have that conversation. Exactly. Right. Like they just don't know how. But then the other one is, well, what if it's a smaller company and there are no opportunities for growth? And now I'm trying to stir all these thoughts in this person. But then I'm afraid then they're going to leave. Or, you know, as a lot of times this happens is as you go through a coaching journey or some kind of training, you actually end up wanting to change something about your life. It's usually your job. So I think, you know, so it requires a lot of humility as well for the manager to say, you know, this is not about me and the company. This is about the individual. Well, just to link it to one of the most profound business books I've ever read is Good to Great. It is the Bible of success. It's hmm. called Good to Great. This guy's just, I, I wish I, I could go grab it. Mark, you can talk and I can go grab it. Good to yeah. Great is the Bible on how do you make a good company go to great. And you hmm. just named it, Elena, brilliantly, is right people in the right seat on the right bus. And so when we'd go into IBM and I did a lot of corporate work, we would we would say you're gonna you're gonna help them have better coaching conversations. And by the way, they might leave. Are you okay with that? They go, yes. We don't want struggling, suffering people to come to work. We want joy-filled people to come to work. And I said, great. So you want the right people who are sort of eager. This is all the personal side to like, yeah, I love I love this job because oh my god, dragging people. It's not a that's managing. This is the distinction. Mark and I are in this business. You actually have to shift from managing people to leading people. Mm-hmm. Huge shift. Yeah. So I could overtalk this, Mark. Yeah, so Mark, yeah. you have any thoughts? Yeah. Well, I just think I think it's also an engagement issue where I think um, you know ever since COVID and you know I think people are relearning how to kind of engage with people and I think they're distracted by technology. And I think that, you know, they're not connected with technology uh, with uh, some of them are afraid like AI is going to take care of their jobs. So we have to learn how to uh, rise them up. We need to they have like imposter syndrome. They see what other people are doing on different social medias and say, my life's not like that. So why even try? So I think there's also a state of being, you know, how they be is not uh, optimized. So the managers don't know maybe what uh, their potential is because they don't speak up because there's a disconnect communication wise and engagement wise so. mm. and then you throw in this generational thing and we're gonna, i just want to spend a little bit of time talking about gen z's because they're all over the place it's like it's all media can pick on and personally i'm really trying to be empathetic with them i just can't <laughs> not really trying and so i don't know if you guys have seen recently um the video of uh, a recent graduate and it, it went viral and it was just it was it's really funny but i also kind of felt bad for her she's crying and because she had to work a nine to five i don't know if you saw that one and, and she said how difficult it is and how to why you know she has to go to the office and all of that and so it, it's pretty interesting so we have those dynamics but then right. there's also some statistics i want to point out to you guys and i'm curious on your thoughts on this and and um so right now um there are apparently millions of men that are just leaving the workforce and these mm-hmm. are particularly um uh between ages of 18 and like early 30s i forget the exact one i, I forgot to write that one that piece down but it's like young young mm-hmm. men that are actually leaving the workforce so it was uh 71% of young males in 2021 held a full-time job but in 1980s it was 85% so that's a big jump from 1980s to 71 and that keeps decreasing what is going on there? And I'm curious if this this report didn't specify. I'm curious. Well, there's there there was a mention. So some people are opting out of the nine to five and going through the gig economy. But this particular report was focusing more on males, like young men in particular, who are simply checking out. Either they're living off of um, living with their parents, or just doing some really just kind of like you know regular you know just any jobs just to just to you know pay the bills and and have food on the table. And they're spending a lot of time alone. And they're also the population that is most loneliest, uh, more even than, than their the 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 women counterparts. So I'm just curious, Rick, starting with you, just what are your thoughts on that? Can you? I'm having an embarrassing moment. Can you remind me the Gen Z age group? <laughs> I don't have the that Gen Z's is everybody that was born after. Uh, so if you were born after nine, 90, 1990, yeah, nineteen yeah nineteen ninety, and then up to uh, forget exactly. So they're so like the ones 30s. that are graduating from college. Yeah. So they're yeah. like 20s to 30s. So that's kind of like yeah. 
mid yeah something like yeah. that they're within that i forgot the exact years yeah yeah wow what an interesting stat that's fascinating yeah wow um okay um this is just my take on it right i've mm -hmm. not studied this this might trigger some people if they hear this this is from a 64 and a half three quarter year old by the way i keep saying 65 because i can't wait for medicare that's why i'm <laughs> 65 i'm mere million months away anyway yeah. um so um because i've been paying into it for what 60 years. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the, my take on this, I want to answer your question about the male part first. I actually think um, I'm going to go psychological or maybe even um, sociological for a second. The male is going through it. The male energy, the male, the, the not, not even energy, the male, I think, is going through a crisis of identity, right? We, we are the, the sort of patriarchal Right, we know what we're doing, and um, it's all kind of, kind of being uh, exposed. Where, mm -hmm. where I still think we as men don't share with each other what's really going on. We don't want anybody to know. We're still kind of closeted with all our stuff, mm -hmm. and I. So the, the loneliness thing, I think you nailed it. I think that is huge. Um, I work with a lot of people who do interesting work in the world. One of the most successful businesses right now is to create gatherings of male males going into the woods and connecting and talking and getting real with each other mm. so there is a crisis of identity happening which i think is on the i want to call it it's not mental illness it's just like a <gasps> and i also think they're in reaction the younger males are in reaction to i'm not doing it the way my dad did it and i can be that voice like that that looks exhausting and the guarantee, here's the other thing that is happening, the guarantee of if you work really hard, you'll get to that outcome is no longer true. Hmm. Because the companies, this is the company, company culture is no longer sort of taking care of the long-term employee and you'll get this big package. I want to be careful how I say this. Some companies do, but a lot of them are like, no, you're on your own. And, and so they bounce around because there's no you know, silver ring or gold ring at the end of the end of the tunnel. So the career path is is compromised because it's not a guarantee. I've watched, I've talked to too many people and said, well, they, you know, they can't guarantee me anything because nobody can guarantee anything anymore. But the 50s and 60s and 17s, that was a guarantee. If you worked for General Motors for 45 years, you got this ring. And that's yeah. a that's a cultural shift that the, mm -hmm. the long term want to help grow something. I don't, it's a, it's, it's not there. And I think also the camaraderie of we're growing something together is lost. I just have a job inside this system. I'm going to make my million dollars by the time I'm 40 and I'm out and then I'm going to go sail the world. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but there's, that's, that's what I hear people say. I, I've heard this so many times recently. I want to be retired by, I'm, by the time I'm 35. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> And I'm literally like, good for you. If you can figure that out. And some of them do, they buy 14 pieces of real estate and they rent it out and they're done. Mm -hmm. So the opportunities to actually make money in different ways is what's happened to hmm. like the gig economy. is like, I can go do this. I can go do this. I can go do this. So I don't think that's good or bad. That's just opportunity opportunities all over the place. Hmm. So that's interesting. Mark, and you being a father of a teenage boy, yeah. how do you, how, like, just your thoughts and reflections of, on that? Like, are you, are you worried? Like, you know what I mean? Like, is, is, you know, is, is he going to fall into the same trap? What is it going to look like? Like, as a parent, I'm just curious. I'm not a parent, and I'm very curious how parents feel right now. Well, as a parent, I think there's several reasons to worry about my son, not all related <laughs> to career, but... Um... But uh, no, I think that we're kind of like an it, the economy is like Rick said, it's not like the traditional, you know, work for the same company for 30 years. And then you, you know, my both my parents were in that model. Uh, I don't I, I've been in that model for a while. But again, I'm uh, trying to do my own thing, but also doing some some of the traditional work. My son um, you know, has gone through a, a traditional public school and now we're trying something a little bit different with him. Uh, he just went to a job fair, for example, when he got to uh, sell smoothies for the first time. And he saw that whole life cycle, what it's like to be an entrepreneur, and he got a taste of it. And I saw the excitement in his eyes. 
So I am worried for him, but I'm not. Um, I think I think this is the, now is the chance for all the technologies and everything available to us um, to be able to hold on to those and be able to have a lot of opportunity to try something different and, and try an asymmetrical or, or non-traditional approach to thrive. But there's also a lot of unknown, you know, you don't have the pension and you don't have the 401k, et cetera. You know, so it, it, it's a little less defined. So uh, in some ways, I think there's new ways to worry about our kids <laughs> in relation to this. Uh, but I think as long as they have a good group around them, they have a good mastermind, they have good mentors, they have good coaches, trainers, right. you know, people who are looking out for them um, uh, in different ways. I think, you know, they're, they're bound to be successful because they'll rise up and step into their power because, they, because they'll be supported and it's up to them to perform when it's time. Hmm. And and yeah. I, I I go ahead, Rick. Yeah. I just want to respond. To, like, yeah. You made another comment that was so sort of quick inside there, but you you talked about the Gen Z or is like, oh my God, I have to work nine to five, right? Mm -hmm. And I could easily go, are you kidding me? I used to work from seven to twelve. I mean, right? <laughs> like I can feel them. And I had sixteen jobs, and I was trying to figure it out. And so you know, here's what I want to take ownership of. I am not a parent, mm -hmm. but I my generation, right or wrong. We are the, what am I again? I'm the, what am I? <laughs> what do we call I'm a, a boomer. I'm a boomer, right. Yeah. The boomers out of the war, I mean, I didn't go, I wasn't in the war, but we're right past the war, World mm -hmm. War II, um, the 50s. Uh, out of that energy, I believe, out of that sort of tragedy, mm. and then there was a risk, and then one before that was the risk, the, the depression. Out of those two came an energy or a philosophy of like, we are going to figure this out. We'll never do that again kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I think we overly took care of the younger generation. And I, you know, I don't want to get personal, but I could, you know, there's family, there's friends, there's people who are like, you know, their kids are living at home and we'll take care of you forever. I, you know, my mom, right or wrong, at seven, 18 years old, said to me, you're off the dole, you're done, go off into the world and figure this out. A very directive. I mean, from a therapy context, one could go, oh my God, that was so mean. But go off and figure this out. You are mm -hmm. off our dollar. And I think we've done a little, we've swung the other way. Like we'll say, I'll take care of you until you finally figure this out. And so there's a little bit of overly providing because we don't want them to experience any anxiety or any now. So I, I might, I want to be the voice of, I, I, I think we've overdone. We've over, you know, inheriting a million dollars and people I'm like, wow, good, like, wow. Mm -hmm. This is not true for everybody, but there's an, there's a, quality of like we'll take care of you until you finally figure it out and then people are like not figuring it out because i'm being taken care of mm. well so. you know i'm not a parent either i'm an elderly millennial but i i and my mom you know she's she, she's a boomer but she is definitely not the you know she didn't really um, uh, uh, spoil me. She did, she also didn't kind of push me out, but she's also a tough Russian woman. So, so I yeah. grew up in, in different, different conditions out, altogether. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like get, get your things together. Get, get and, it together. Yeah. And I, I was working since I was 15 and I, uh, well, well, yeah. 12 years old, get a wow, newspaper, wow. Get a newspaper boy at 12 years old. Yeah. And now you have a lot of young people graduating with just barely an internship only because it was required. Right. Yeah. And no prior experience. And so they are not, you know, there's a big gap and we know this gap. I've worked in higher education. Now I'm in a corporate, that gap just gets bigger every year and, and, and et cetera. But not only are the parents, maybe the previous generations that have kind of, you know, really catered to the younger generation, but also companies are now doing this because now companies are competing for environments so they want yeah. to make sure that it's a good environment and it's all you know ha hold hands on kumbaya and it's like if, if we're not providing them that we're threatened that they're going to leave and because there's a talent so it's like a whole thing right yeah. Yeah. um and 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 um one thing well last thing i'll mention here is another another challenge is that we're so remote right yeah. so we're so remote yeah. and young people 
should not be remote. They should be in the office. This is my personal opinion, but also uh, there's a lot of facts to back that up because this is a time when you kind of come into yourself. You're a young person out of college. You learn relationships and conflicts and, and dealing and observing and politics and all of that in the office space. And also it's when you meet a significant other. And, and, and interact with others that will also help the loneliness problem particularly. So I'm, you know, I'm a little bit uh, on the side of hybrid or in office, at least a couple of, you know, some, not a fully remote model, at least not for companies that have these different generations. Cause I think it hurts more than helps them, but um, I'll pause here. I can go on for hours on this one. So I'll just pause. No, it's good. <laughs> Mark, you have a thought. Uh, no, I, I think just going back to, again, having that technology is a, is a bit of a barrier. Um, uh, my son actually uh, had a break from his phone. He's starting to re read, and that's been great. I mean, I think that's like not the norm, so it's been great to see him do that. And he's an extrovert, so every time he comes home, maybe he's an exception, but he goes out, he's 14, he goes around and plays with the kids. They do mischief, mischievous stuff in the neighborhood and comes back. But yeah, I think that this generation, the current generation, or any of the generations that have technology as the primary thrust, it's distracting, it's disconnecting. We're more connected than we ever have been, but we're also as more disconnected at the same time and lonely. Mm. I mean, I remember reading a stat about that. So I think that, you know, uh, we have to create, generate those opportunities for community and connection. Um, and you're right, you know, you need to find, they'll find people that they're connected with, people they fall in love with, people they will make as friends for life my son just joined a DD, a dungeons and dragons group that's a role top tabletop role-playing group and he can make some of his friends for life from that you know he might do crossfit with me i do crossfit as like a side and they bring teenagers in so i think we also you know i think we need to provide that for our kids to a certain extent if they're willing to try it and just be mindful of that so i think part of a strategy from an adult standpoint but also the kids have to have the motivation to want to step up so it's a it's a pull goal for them they want to go do it you know they're motivated they're passionate about it not a push goal like you're pushing them up the hill to go to <laughs> you know fencing class or or you know martial arts so hmm. and, and let's let's shift a little bit you know kind of uh, maybe away from the specific generation of Gen Z's, I'm, I think I'm done picking on them for now. But, um, you know, maybe we'll move away from that. But, um, you know, there's this whole concept, another popular topic uh, that is happening, which is bring your whole self to work. Right. So, Rick, I'm curious, again, like just based on your experience, like, you know, just know. What, what does that even mean? I like, can know. We talk about that? <laughs> it's, it's such an interest. I, every time I hear it, I kind of might, like, the, the, the hair on the back of my neck kind of goes, <laughs> what does that even mean? You know, okay, my camera is weird. Let me fix that. Um, so here's what I think that's about is um, less compartmentalizing. You know, I have my work life, I have my home life, and that's the whole work life balance phenomenon, which is another term that my head pops off. I don't know what that means. Um, I, I do believe the human condition longs to sort of float through life. And yeah, I have to focus on my work right now. And then I want to pick up the phone and call my family. And I do think the gift of the technology world is we now are fluid between home and friends and family and work uh, like pretty quickly now. So there isn't this boundary called get in because we used to get in a car, leave work. Now I'm in home. You know, and you've heard this concept. We do more work from home and we do we do more home from work than we've ever done before. So it is this. The technology's allowed that to happen, um, but um, the uh, the whole bring my bring my whole self to work. I just think it means can you part person next door to me or boss? Can there be an aperture of um, of a moment of my humanity, or can we just chat about real life for a minute? I mean, that's what happens at the water cooler. That's what happens at lunch. To your point, Elena, like we that's why we need to go to a space. Mm. Because the, the Zoom world or this virtual world is we just focus on the task and the strategy. And, you know, oh, by the way, let's do a background that, you know, like, I don't want anybody to know what's going on instead of like, you know, okay, my life's kind of a mess here, but let's get free. You know, it's, it, mm -hmm. it's the ability to be my human mess <laughs> in the midst of the work I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's a, 
I want my boss, if I'm like, I just want to be able to shoot the breeze for 20 minutes. I mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of happens. This happened. It happened at the bar for my dad in General Motors at the end of the day. Let's go for a drink. I know that's a little simplistic, but the, here's the shadow side of bring my whole self to work. You don't want all of me at work. You don't <laughs> want my my freak out experiences. You don't want to know that my partner and I had the biggest fight in the universe this morning. That's appropriate emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. You know, like, please don't bring that to work. We don't have time to focus on that. So this whole self is like, no, you really don't want all of my life at work. You need me to focus on this task. And oh, by the way, I had a bad day with my partner. That's why I'm a little off. And mm-hmm. there's a little, you know, a little aperture moment where the boss or my partner goes or whoever in office goes, oh my God, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I mean, this kind of happens naturally. Yeah. That's my take on it. Hmm. Any thoughts, Mark? What does that mean to you? Any uh, well, I mean, I think what's coming up for me is maybe this doesn't fit that definition necessarily, but work instead of work-life balance, work-life integration, kind of adding on to what Rick had said, yes, you're finding mm-hmm. ways of, you know, mixing things and yeah, it's just like it's it's connected and you find a way to make it work. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you lean into wellness. I know wellness is a bigger expanding thing that's happening at work and coaches are part of that, you know, HR professionals are part of that. So I just, um, you know, I think, I think it's just, um, uh, that, that's my kind of take on it. It's just not a lot to say about that. Just that I think that it's about, you know, if something's, you know, not going the way it could, maybe just showing fierce courage and, and finding a way to speak about that with your boss or with your coworker, whether it's a virtual water cooler <laughs> setup yeah. or it's maybe you do go to local uh, happy hour. I think that um, one last thing I'll say about that, there are the uh, the working hub type places where you can go and, you know, you work uh in parallel but with different you know work and i think there's opportunities for like lunch and learns where you could kind of you know uh decompress that way so that's one way to maybe bring your whole self to work is have the human side and the work side while you're in the office you know working Mm. can i have one more thought on the Mm. the the, the bring people back to work thing i think it's important i'm with you on that one by the way i i i think we have to be in a space together to collaborate together better and you know who understood that the best was Steve Jobs. So the largest company in the world, as we all know, founded on a philosophy of going for walks on a conversation. So when you had a meeting with Steve Jobs, 99% of the time you went for a walk. Mm. Okay. He also believed in feng shui. So I'm going to go a little into the spiritual stuff for a second. He believed in feng shui. He, He believed in the concept of energy needs to move. So his final project was a gigantic headquarters that's a gigantic circle. It's a donut, right? Yeah. It's a beautiful, spectacular. And he said, it has to be a circle, mm. you know? And that's like not the best use of space, but he goes, it's the best use for creativity to happen because energy never stops moving in a circle. And he did his best to have the inside of the building have no corners where energy could get stuck. Mm, I love that. Right. It's fascinating when you go behind the this the the actual um energetics of success. Because he understood the energetics of success, not just the how do you get more people, how do you get more out of people? Hmm. Right. And as we all know, you know, when you you create this circle, and this is why I think they need to bring bring people back to work is it's in the sidebar conversations that Steve Jobs knew the most innovation was happening. The innovation never really happened in the meetings. It happened on the sidebar moments, going for a walk, playing ping pong. That's why there's ping pong tables. That's why there's basketball courts. Yeah, we want to take care of your people for the well-being thing that Mark's talking about. But it's also like you got to calm down the brain and give it a break because it's too tight. I mean, there's there's the whole quantum physics, metaphysics, um, science to actually creativity and talent that is now being explored. So I'm a fan of that angle on this conversation, not just mm-hmm. the, I need to get the best out of people. Yeah. You know? so, yeah. It's an interesting that's, angle on it, right? Yeah, no, that's that's super interesting. And um, for me, I similar to, to both of you, I don't really know what bring your whole self to work means. I, I think that there are certain... I think there's just there's certain professionals, uh, professionalism um, things yeah. that we have to be mindful of, and it's yeah. more of a courtesy. 
it's yeah. it's a respect it's to be respectful and i think um uh, i think it's kind of it's almost like it's there's a gray line now and it's like no professionalism is professionalism being yes. respectful and courteous of other people yes. is that and i think people are just taking advantage of it what i see it's yeah. like there's a lot of people taking advantage of that and then of course everybody's offended by everything these days yeah. um so and and i and i think you, and and the media doesn't help by continuously to 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 put these things out there and furthermore is the conversation, if you see everything that's out there about well-being is what can a company do? What can a manager do? Very little does it talk about what can a, what does an individual need to do in order for them to be at their best performance, yes. right? Because if you're sleeping like crap, eating like crap, not taking care of yourself, yes. I don't care how good of a manager I am, I, I can't I can't help you. Correct. No. What I love what you're speaking to is the personal responsibility is like, you know, do I, do I want to be in a, how do I want to say it? Do I, who do I want to be while I'm here on this planet? That's the big existential question. Am I mm -hmm. just going to be a taker? And then just sort of like, I took all that I need and I'm done. Or am I a creator and a, and a voice of something better? Mm. That's, you know, that's the, that's the bigger question for different generations to look at, you know? To, to Mark's son, my niece, a little segue, my, my great niece, her parents, her mother in particular, um, has decided there's no screens in their house. There's no television screens. There's no iPads. There's no screens in front of this child until she's probably eight. So they don't have a TV. Like it's amazing. I mean, they do have a TV. It's off downstairs, you know, whatever. Right. So she's not experienced any screens. But you know what's happened? Hmm. Her creativity and her imagination is off the charts. She is writing scripts. She has brought to life dolls. She's doing plays. She's actually now a creator of the content versus a consumer of the content. Hmm. It's fascinating. And so, you know, work from a work context, you know, you're, most of us are hired to come in and be a creator of the content, whatever that is, or creator of something versus I'm just a consumer. And I think we're now becoming addicted to the consumption side. Mm. I also think it has to do with uh, the questions you ask of the parent. I mean, you could just tell them what to do versus asking powerful questions from a, like coaches ask powerful questions to elicit a reaction in their coachee. Right. But I think that also applies as a parent. Uh, and I, I can see a big difference in someone who's trained. Well, what do you think about that? You know, because my son's always asking me, what do you think I should do? Or what do you think about that? You know, just turn it back around or, or help him kind of set him up for successful conversation. Right. So it's not just mm -hmm. one way information, like Rick said. Mm -hmm. So I think every manager and every parent needs to become a coach. They need to go through the certification process <laughs> or something so helpful. <laughs> life coaching skills are like just for life, right? You don't yeah. have to, you know, so yeah um no it's uh um, it's it yeah go ahead do you want to add something i just i had a thought and then it went away you know those moments it was oh, you, know, you know it's like oh it's over found it's okay it'll be back or not <laughs> <laughs> well while it comes back um yeah. uh you know it's um it's it, it's quite interesting to see these different shifts in the place of work and and also there's of course with chat gpt and there's a lot in like mark and i talked about it and you know about like how you know how do we maintain our relevance right as coaches as trainers as career development folks because you know chat gpt and other tech and the tools that are out there right now can create a career path for you right um you know an assessment that can you know uh, you can debrief it with, with with a with a tool ChatGPT can help you with an interview or a resume or whatever it may be and it's just interesting um you know I, i'm curious from your pure just personal thoughts um you know where do you see the future of i don't want to say work but at least at least our our kind of industry shifting towards mm. well i think the gift of it is um you know, ease of even concepts or giving, I don't understand JackGPT enough to know, but I know it's an aggregate. It goes out and finds all this information and kind of compiles it and comes up with stuff. So that's the gift. It's like, it's, it does a job for me to come up with a new way to say something or right. Um, but I still believe maybe this will be totally like, you know, my theory will ball on itself 20 years from now when I'm not here or 50 years from now. Um, 
I still have to bring energetic life to the concept. I'm still the animator of the concept as a human being. And only humans can do that. I have to bring energy to it. And I actually think it's alchemical. I actually give off, if I'm in a room and I, you know, we experience each other's chemistry, not just the knowledge, you know, so there's a whole, there's all these other senses that are going on that I still think a live human needs to be a part of. And I think we'll be able to tell the difference between an actor who's really on the screen versus a fake one. I, I, I think we'll be able to tell. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get nervous about it. And then I kind of go to, but here's the thing about humans. We figure stuff out. We will create from it. We'll, we'll, be in, we'll figure out how to the best use of it. And then we'll have it. And there'll be a shadow side to it. Like there's a shadow side to everything. Mm-hmm. There was a shadow side to the newspaper. There was a shadow side to the first printing press. There was yeah, a shadow side to the, like, <laughs> right in the first car. Like there's always a shadow and a light to everything. And I think yeah. there's a shadow and a light to this. I think we're a little too scared, hmm. you know, but I did hear a stat yesterday that all of a sudden some people are roaring back to San Francisco because that's still the center of the, of the AI world. And so real estate is taking a turn the other direction all of a sudden because AI yeah. is, you know, Apple declared yesterday they're going to pour a billion dollars into AI because they're behind. You know, of course they are. So anyway, Interesting. I, don't, I, I think light, light and shadow is going to happen with this, just like everything. Yeah, I like that perspective. What about you, Mark? What you seeing? You no, know, I think kind of to add on, just like, you know, computers showed up and we thought, you know, what's going to happen? Our jobs are going to be taken away. The internet came up. And now this is just like uh, internet on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. GPT. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. So I don't, I think, you know, we're concerned about replacement, but I think we should maybe focus on integration, you know, uh, a partnership, it's a tool. And, um, you know, I think that tools like ChatGPT uh, will be, take care of the low level administrative things. Can they do a lot of things that, you know, we can do or will be able to do in the future? Yes. But I think part of the, part of the key is education and application just finding a way to you know, apply it so that um, it becomes not our master, but you know, a servant in, as in terms of a tool and just find the best way to manage the technology instead of it managing us or replacing us. So, mm. Well, to this point, I think Rick's uh, great niece and her parents have the right idea. I think it's also yeah. removing ourselves from all this, you know, giving ourselves space to uh to to be creative to to create you know right. and i think that's you know as a, as a, as adults and i mean i, I was uh, uh, something i shared with mark recently is that i'm taking a lot of november and december and i'm just taking it easy like mm-hmm. i'm not doing a million things that i'm typically doing so i can allow space for creativity because i don't have that space and i i, I you know i'm i'm i i do create but not of the quality that i could because i'm not a, i'm not i don't have the space so i think even practicing that on ourselves to 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 innovate because ChatGPT only you know there's no innovative ideas there necessarily maybe there will be in the future but there's nothing it's pretty you know rinse and repeat type thing um so that's interesting and um i, I don't know i'm i'm you know scared but excited at the same time and just mindful and, and observant um but i don't know optimistic as always i think that's the best well, way to be <laughs> you said something really important there that i think i want to underline mm-hmm. chat gpt in that world and again I am not trained in it. So somebody could come after me and go, you don't quite understand how this works. <laughs> Let me do a little parenthetical about that um, or a little uh, you know, yellow flag warning. So it's grabbing what is known, right? When I ask it like, you know, what are the 17 tips that a life coach could give? It grabs what's been set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, but to your point, it, what it's not doing yet is making up brand new concepts and brand new words. And maybe it will see, this is the part I don't know where it actually comes up with, you know, new insights about stuff that is, we don't even know about yet. So I don't know if it's doing that yet, but it seems to be Mark, you kind of said it or something about um, it's, it's, you know, it's grabbing what's known and we are, still the human being it needs to step into the unknown you know it's a little bit like the you know and this is the quantum field training that i've been through like what's the quantum field that's like it's out there with all the information and i'm going to be the recipient of it and spew something into the universe 
because it just came to me to say that or do that or create that or hmm. you know because it's you know from a quantum perspective I don't want to get too deep into that but it's it's already all existing already all of it and we are just simply the vehicles of expressing it hmm. so, See, we should have a whole podcast just about that Rick I don't, that's a whole, <laughs> that's a like, whole conversation there's oh no my time God. and space i mean there's no future there's no past it's just all existing mm. all at the same time and it's just it's, i mean your brain you know the mind can't even like what <laughs> doesn't yeah. get it that's super interesting concept though yeah it's uh, uh definitely worth the discussion so maybe we definitely need to think about doing a podcast just on a topic alone um uh, i could talk to both of you for hours but i'm also mindful of your time and um uh, but i did want to ask you rick about your book uh, you've recently wrote a book can you tell sure. us more about it not that recent but it's had some good legs it's been around for a while oh, so okay. um it's called play your bigger game hmm. Um, I'm a proud, um, some of you out there who are listening, um, Hay House is a pretty famous publishing house. Louise Hay from the, she was a, you know, in my generation, she wrote a book called You Can Heal Your Life. It was a sort of a metaphysical book on when you have an ailment, go look up what does it really mean from a, from a uh, consciousness, you know, like, why am I having a cold or, you know, why do I have a wart on my toe or whatever? So that was a, that's, that's Louise Hay. She started a publishing company. By the way, she started it at like 65. For, so for those of it out there that are listening, like I'm done, careful, you know, there's creativity that wants to happen until our final breath. So yeah, that's a book I wrote. It's, it's a, it's a model. It's a philosophy. It's an ideology. It's um, my publisher asked me, are you on the personal development shelf? Are you on the, on the healing shelf? Are you in the leadership development shelf? And I said, yes. <laughs> so all of them, all of them. And so they kind of put it all over these books, these shelves. Yeah. So um, it got me into a lot of corporate rooms. It's a team building workshop as well. Um, yeah. And it's informed my, um, my own advanced thinking when you play a bigger game, you're never done. It's always, it, it's philosophy is like, what's the next level of my expression that I want to put into the world? Because yeah. I think when our creativity, by the way, and the thing we want to create with our life is I believe we're here to create, you know, we're here to create families. We're here to create businesses. We're here to create bakeries. We're here to create food. We're, we're here as creationists. And then when our creativity is finds a home, that's what fulfillment is. Hmm. Steve Jobs happened to find something that we all seem to like too. I mean, you can, you know, Starbucks guy, like let's make coffee. And so businesses are all in the business of let's create something that, yeah, that'll sell, but wow, it feels fun or it feels good that we made that, you know? Hmm. So I love that. <laughs> I love that definition of fulfillment. You know, yeah, right. that's, that's a beautiful definition. Hmm. yeah that's what i'm all about i do i do gigs about it i do trainings about it i have trained the trainer models of becoming a bigger game trainer there's a whole business line inside of that so and where do you spend a lot of your time rick online before i ask you guys my last question where do you hang out online um you mean like the social media world yeah yeah, yeah like I, have all the, I have all the things i i'm blessed enough to um, be able to have a monthly budget for somebody to do it for me <laughs> instagram I, it's so funny you ask yesterday um i'll just name the date yesterday was october 26th i just just filmed 75 videos my social media came to my house to my media person came to my house and <sighs> what i love is she just gives me something to talk about and we did 75 different videos. So wow. um, they're mostly on Instagram. I think I'm an Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook guy. My age group hangs out in face group, Facebook group. Mm -hmm. Facebook. Oh my God. Facebook. <laughs> we got you. We got oh you. my God. I, I don't love social media. I have to be honest. I get it's a doorway into showing up and I need to do it. Um, is it saturated? You bet. But mm -hmm. it's where it shows up now. So am I going to be in the game or not? No. So there you go. I'm learning TikTok. I'm playing with, by the way, doing um, lip syncing TikTok. Oh, Favorite okay. songs from the 70s. I just want to lip sync some, you know, that I just want to do that on TikTok. Yeah, yeah. Good for you. I'm I'm so anti TikTok. I can, I'm, everybody tells me you need to be on TikTok. 
I, I just I, I tried it one time and it, it just wasn't me. So good for you for for. I, for I don't know if it's of... me. I just thought, well, I'll just play. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, no, good for. You. I'm not even. Uh, I'm not even open enough to to keep trying with it. <laughs> like I'm good. <laughs> I will be okay without TikTok. Yeah. And yeah. Ma Mark, where do you hang out at these days? Where do you spend your uh, time? So uh, increasingly, <laughs> showing up on social media in uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, business. Uh, LinkedIn, uh, those are primarily the spaces I uh, have been showing up more and more. Nice. I'm going to make sure to share both of your contact or kind of where you hang out on show yeah. notes, um, including your book, Rick, and I have yet to order it, but I will. And I would love to um, uh, maybe come back and have a chat with you about the book in particular. Um, There's another book coming. Yeah. Okay. When is that coming? Do you have a date for no, release? I, I don't know. Okay. In, my, in my highest dream, it's, what is it, 2023? probably spring of 2025 okay well we won't wait that long to have a conversation no, we'll, right. we'll, we'll we'll have to revisit uh, uh but um uh we'll, we'll what i mean is we'll have another conversation before that conversation just to be clear <laughs> i don't want to wait till 2025 to talk to you again on a podcast <laughs> um so i will make sure to share that in the show notes but the last question i have for both of you um is what is one question you wish people would ask themselves more often? Mm, what a great question. What one question, say it again, such a good one. What, what is one question you wish people would ask themselves more often? Mm. What have I created today? Mm. What have I created today, Mark? Mine's a twofer. I know I'm be cheating a little bit, but I'm just trying to sneak that one. Just kidding. Uh, um, I think it's like you know, uh, what what can I incorporate as a daily gratitude practice? Because when you're when you feel gratitude, it's hard to feel anger, resentment, et cetera, et cetera. And looking back at the end of my life, uh, what's the most important thing I can be doing in this moment? You know, will this really matter? So it's so the, those two. I think are are pretty critical for a fulfilled life. Hmm. I love those. Thank you both very much uh, for taking time on a Friday afternoon. Thank to you. Have this chat. Thank you. Um, Thank you for doing this work. You are, uh, we are in a similar game of raising the level of the conversation and we don't have all the answers, but thank you for being in the conversation because that's where the transformation happens is from the conversation. So thank you. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you for you. taking part as well and being here for this conversation. I appreciate you both very much. Um, thank you. And we will see you again soon. Mm -hmm.